You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Bear Down Chicago Preview Podcast. I am your host, Logan Bradley. You can find me at Bradley on Twitter. As always, I am joined today with Brendan Chagru, who you can find at Brendan Chagru. As for the guys who are not joining us this afternoon, we have Jack Wright, who you can find at Jack. Ryan Dangle, our usual host with the most, at Ryan Dangle on Twitter. And last but certainly not least, Patrick Sheldon, who you can find at P underscore Shells. I saved this one for you, Brennan. I didn't even talk to my family about it yet because I wanted to ask you specifically, what does snow look like? Oh, my God. And what does it feel like? uh, It's cold. Feels really cold. That was that was a rude awakening. And you kind of know it's coming. But, Mm -hmm. you know, from your days being back in Illinois, remember when you open and as an adult, because opening your windows when you're a kid, when there's snow outside, that's Mm -hmm. awesome because you might have snow day. But as an adult, opening the window and just seeing the yard covered and you just go, oh, this again, we're back. Especially like if you have a home and you are you a shoveler or are you a snowblower? Uh, first year I was a shoveler. Uh, okay. I said, I don't think we need a snowblower yet. I, I'm still a young strapping man. And then we got hit with like two weeks straight of like six inches of snow and I definitely invested last year and it is a game changer. So it hasn't been enough to actually like needing to shovel. It's been melting by like the afternoon, which is nice, but still like the first snow in mid November, you're like, no, I'm not ready yet. Like I just, I just tied up the hoses, put the covers on them, took some of the patio furniture right before into the garage, right before the snow came out. I'm like, I'm just, I'm barely prepared. It feels like you're never prepared for it. So, uh, yeah, you're 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 missing out big time, man. I, I'm sure that I am. And you know what? It sounds like you're getting used to the whole home thing, homeowner thing, but you know what? I'm not, and I don't have one yet. And if you're looking to buy a home in the Chicagoland area, you should look at my guy Jeff Cadwallader. Interest rates are up, prices are up, but is real estate dead? It certainly is not. And if you have any questions, you can head to my man, Jeff Cadwallader with App Properties. Christie International has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience has been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. So again, if you are looking for some help on buying or selling a home in the area, connect with Jeff today and visit him at GenevaJeff.com. You know, Logan... The first snowfall also usually means that Thanksgiving's right around the corner. It's actually, if you're listening to this, it's probably a week away. So that's kind of scary, but it's exciting because you get to see family again, get to come together. And maybe it's been a while since you've seen them. You want to be looking your best. You want to be sporting a nice, sharp haircut. And to do that, you need to go see our guys at Sheridan's Barbershop. 
Sheridan's Barbershop is located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, and they've been serving the community for 68 years. They have six barbers and they're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Visit Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Brennan, we have a matchup on Sunday of two teams that I'm just going to assume anyone outside of the greater Atlanta and greater Chicago area might not be too excited about because we have the three and seven Bears at the four and six Falcons at 1 p.m. Eastern Fox. Did I, did I say something wrong there, Brennan? Are there a I lot think of excited it, I people think from this game? Is this, is this a, a hair raising game right here? I think it is. And I mean, seriously, Justin Fields is drawing attention. He is drawing viewers. They have the number two crew on Fox. They have Joe Davis, Daryl Johnston. We are not stuck with a Mark Schlereth or one of those bottom feeder groups of broadcasters, my friend. People want to see this game because of Justin Fields and probably nothing else. Isn't it great, though, that I remember our conversations on the podcast from like in the preseason when we would constantly discuss how the bears would just get no national love and they are getting a little bit of national love and it's because of Justin Fields himself. So you are correct. You are correct. There certainly is a little bit of buzz to this game, despite the team's records in terms of the bears and Falcons meetings in the past. These teams of course don't play a whole lot, but they have played four times dating back to 2011 with the bears taking three of those four The last time these two teams played was sort of a memorable game. If it was uh, a game I like to call the Nick Foles visor game, the Bears did win that game on September 27, 2020, when they beat the Falcons at home, or excuse me, it was in Atlanta, I believe, 30 to 26. Atlanta blew a 16 point lead with six and a half minutes left in the game as Nick Foles threw for three touchdowns. And at that time, it was the second straight week, actually, that the Falcons had blown a 15-point lead, which was the first time in NFL history that a team had done so. So just a a game that you won't forget ever um, at all. But this week, the Bears are three-point underdogs. The game has a total of 49.5 points, which at first glance looks like a lot, but then you consider it's on turf and these two defenses are not very good. When we're talking about the Falcons last week, they lost to a not very good P.J. Walker-led Panthers team on the road on Thursday Night Football, 25-15. to When you're talking about their offense, they're led by quarterback Marcus Mariota, who is a boring quarterback to watch. I'm not going to lie to you there, but he has been fine this year for Atlanta. He's done the job. He's been good at handing the ball off over and over and over and over again. And this Arthur Smith run the ball and do nothing else offense. This is, can you tell I'm a Kyle Pitts owner by any chance, Brendan, with the way that I'm describing that? That's tough, man. It's It's really, really tough. I I felt for you. It's bad. Yes. Um, But their offensive weapons, if you want to call it that, no, he actually is a weapon. Cordero Patterson, we know him very well. He is finally back from injury. He is going to be, I would assume, a huge part of the game plan this week. And he is backed up by Tyler Algier. And the receiving options, there are receiving options. The Falcons just choose not to throw the ball a whole lot. They have talented rookie wide receiver Drake London. And as as I previously mentioned, Kyle Pitts. 
Defensively, this is going to be a short one because I don't even know a whole lot about the Atlanta defense. You have Grady Jarrett, who leads the team with four and a half sacks and nine tackles for loss. And you also have Richie Grant as their only member of the team with multiple interceptions. He's got two of them. Is there really anything else that the Bears have to do this week to win other than stop the run game? Don't shoot themselves in the foot with some poorly timed penalties and maybe just don't have a special teams blunder because that's kind of what the MO has been the last few weeks. I think if the Bears can kind of rein it back in from what we saw against Detroit, and I know you and I haven't been able to talk about that, but that was a winnable game. And they really shot themselves in the foot multiple times. So as long as they play smart football, continue running the ball down down Atlanta's throat, it's going to be, it it can be smooth sailing, but you never know. Atlanta's coming off long rest. It doesn't sound like, you mentioned Marcus Mariota, just a terrible, terrible game against the Panthers doing his his best or worst Patrick Mahomes impression while he's (laughs) trying to throw the ball while he's going to the ground. I don't think there's going to be a quarterback change. There probably should be. So this could be the final game of the Marcus Mariota era before we see Desmond Ritter. But yeah, it's it's definitely a winnable game. 100%. And it would be nice to somehow have a Bears game where it feels like everything goes right. I know it's a lot to ask for any NFL team, but just a very winnable game, as you said. Stay away from those big, big mental mistakes, and I think you'll be okay. Kind of on the on the line of mental mistakes and and keeping focus and everything. I just wanted to ask you about Matt Eberflus and the job that he's done this year. Just because I'm, I don't know. I always find it so interesting. On ever since how unsatisfactory I felt about Matt Nagy to have this new coach, feel like he's done a great job. But I just want to ask you what what would you give him in terms of letter grades? Because I'm a big letter grade guy. I just think uh, I like to hear what your thoughts are at this point in the year. I was going to throw you a curveball and just say, I prefer the pass fail method. <laughs> it's a podcast, Brennan. We need more material. I than know. A pass, fail. I know it's the easy way out. <laughs> I, I will say before last week, I would have said a B pretty solid because the bears have pretty much won the games that they should have won. And some that they shouldn't have like against the Patriots and they've lost the games that you can argue that they should have as well. I think about aside from the commanders game earlier on, But think about like the Vikings, the Dolphins, both of those teams were just way more talented than the Bears, even though they were in it. You you could kind of argue that. Sure, it's it's understandable that they lost. But I take them down to a B minus after what I saw against the Detroit Lions. I said it earlier. it, It was a very winnable game and it was a game that essentially faltered late on all three phases and coaches included i think i think some of the game planning at the end got very very conservative both offensively and defensively we mentioned the penalties season high in penalties which has not been it's hasn't been a characteristic of this team so maybe it's an outlier but still for a team that really had no receivers the Lions didn't have business winning that game, yet they did. So you can only be as good, I think, as your most recent game. That's the thing that you can build off of, both good and bad. So, yeah, I kind of knock him down a little bit. But that doesn't that's not to say he hasn't done a pretty decent job overall, especially given what he's kind of had to work with outside of the quarterback position. 
Yeah, I like that. I did again. It's I think you are correct in in taking into consideration last week and the coaching mistakes that there probably were. But overall, for me, gosh, I've been I've been very happy with Matty Rufus. I I would say B plus at this point, just because I, I've harped on it all year long. It's just a, a team with not a lot of talent that has been in most of these games, and there just hasn't been a lot of nonsense. I feel like it's a team that really does buy into even these sometimes I think coaching philosophies that can be what I just said nonsense, and I think the guys actually do buy into that. And he has guys who are, you know, not really big names at all playing very, very hard for him, which leads me into my next question for you. And that is about Jack Sanborn, who last week was just incredible, to to put it plainly, for the Bears with 12 tackles, two for a loss, and two sacks. So I just ask you, Brandon, do you think he has officially made his way into the Bears' future plans? Or do you think he's a big piece of the future plans? If so... I think, yes, he has made it into the future plans. He filled up the stat sheet when he was given the opportunity. He's only been a starter now for two games. And I, I think it was Jacob Infante who pointed out that it took Roquan Smith, like what, 37 games or 38 games to kind of have a similar stat sheet where you have two sacks plus I think a sack and double digit tackles. It took Jack Sanborn two games to get there. And I really want to recommend Peter Schrager's podcast. Most recently, he had Ryan Poles on as a guest. And Poles talked about the trade with Roquan Smith. And he kind of made it seem like we made that trade knowing that we had guys who could potentially replace him. Now, I'm that's not verbatim. He kind of says it a little more eloquently, but basically made it sound like I'm okay trading Roquan Smith because of who Jack Sanborn is and what he's shown the team. So yes, he's definitely, I would say he's definitely in the future at this point. Is he a starter in the future? I don't know. Uh, the knock coming out of the knock on him coming out of Wisconsin was that he was just a little bit too slow. Now that's something he can possibly work on because I think his instincts are outstanding. It's just the way that he identifies ball carriers, his interception that should have stood. He read the quarterback perfectly. He read golf perfectly. So there's a lot there. I just don't want to get too far out ahead of our skis and say that he's a starter, but I'd say he's definitely in the future at the very least. You you said the word that I have I have just one sentence written below this bullet point for me and it's just he's been instinctive he has been instinctive he has made plays that I never would have expected a guy like a Jack Sanborn to make and uh, again another thing that I've said over and over again is this year is about finding specific guys of course it's football you you get. 17 games a year to try to win. We want to win as much of these as possible. We also ought to be real with yourself and realize and be able to take positives. And Jack Sanborn, even over the past couple of weeks, has been a glowing positive and someone who, like you said, may maybe not a starter. We'll see moving forward. But man, it's just it's good to see somebody flying around and other than you know the usual names that we talk about like your bigger names jalen johnson jaquan brisker guys like that so no doubt very positive signs from jack sanborn and just such a cool story of of being undrafted and coming in getting a shot and that is that is beyond taking advantage of your opportunity and being a local kid too i mean yeah. i know that's the, the easy thing to buy into but 
when you hear that these guys grow, grew up Bears fans, they grew up in the suburbs, and now they're playing for their favorite team. I know we heard a lot about it with Cole Komet, but especially a guy like Sanborn, who's had to scratch and claw for this opportunity, it does make it a little more special, and that's really cool. Absolutely. And just a little bit of housekeeping news. I also saw that the Bears did cut AJ Klein today, who we got in the Roquan Smith trade. So maybe that speaks a little bit towards the confidence in Sanborn. And we also signed Taco Charlton, who I believe was a first round pick of the Dallas Cowboys a couple years ago. And he's kind of bounced around the league. So just kind of uh, just kind of some interesting moving and shaking there, taking chances on guys. So all right, Brennan, we're going to move into our predictions section here. First, as usual, I'm going to read off what our other guys think is going to happen in this one. We will start with our host, Ryan Dangle, who sees a high scoring game. He sees the Falcons barely edging out the Bears 34 to 31. Patrick Sheldon, he does see a similar outcome but he sees the bears winning 34 to 31. And as for Jack Wright, he sees the Falcons winning 31 to 21. Brendan, what are you going with this week? I feel bad saying it, especially because I did say it is a winnable game, but I am picking the Falcons 31 to 28 for a couple of reasons. One, this team's kind of injured. And at this point we're recording on a Wednesday. We don't know what some of these guys are going to look like if they're going to be able to play. Cole Komet set out of practice. David Montgomery has a personal issue. Hopefully it's not going to be something that hinders his ability to play on Sunday. But you're also down Khalil Herbert now. Your your best running back this year. I know it's it's good for you to hear that, Logan. Your big Khalil Herbert stand. <laughs> but it, it is tough though. Yeah, he's out for four games and now you potentially might be relying on a backfield of Treston Abner and Darrington Evans. Now, who knows what's going to happen with Montgomery, but you also have Tevin Jenkins out. Just a ton of injuries. I could go on about it. We said the same thing this past week. The Bears should have beaten the Lions. There's just something happening, whether it's both defensively and to an extent the offense where the fourth quarter comes and they're just not able to execute and win down the stretch. I do believe that's coming. But because of some of those issues, I think that the Falcons get this at home. And you know what? They're two very similar teams, too. I think the Falcons, they excel at running the ball. The Bears have struggled to stop the run. The ball to stop the run. Falcons can't really pass that well, but it's just a, a very even game. But just because of the Bears fourth quarter issues, I'll give it to the Falcons, unfortunately. Before I say my prediction, just that that point in the fourth quarter stuff, it has been so frustrating. I do feel like that's just a that's just a team gelling together and giving it time, as you sort of mentioned there. And that's again like things you don't want to have to just live with constant fourth quarter collapses. Speaking of playing the Falcons, they know a little bit about that, as we mentioned earlier. But I do think that as this team gels and gets more games under their belt, AKA looking more towards next year. You're hoping to not see those types of things as there's more of a solidified roster and it's just things have been changing around a lot, but certainly I, I, that, that is a lot going against the bears this week, but I just, I like a bounce back spot for the bears. I have them winning 27 to 20. I think that they're going to be able to do enough against a not very good Falcons team that is one dimensional, but at times this year has been decent at being one dimensional offensively. But again, bounce back spot. I like the Bears 27 to 20. All right, moving to the fantasy portion of the show. 
I'm going to quickly give, give all of you fantasy owners out there just one speculative ad. This is not a name that honestly I had heard of up until a couple of days ago, um, but everybody is looking for running backs, even just to take a flyer. So if you're in an eight team, even a 10 team league, maybe this guy doesn't need to be on your roster, but his name is Keontae Ingram. He's the backup running back for the Arizona Cardinals who surprisingly cut Eno Benjamin earlier this week. So Keontae Ingram is the straight backup to James Conner, who James Conner is made of glass. James Conner gets hurt constantly. He was hurt this year. He will get hurt again. I don't hope he gets hurt. I think his story is awesome. Come back from cancer. He's a talented football player. He just gets hurt a lot. So the Cardinals are not the greatest offense in the world, but they do like to run the ball. And at this point in the season, like I said earlier, everybody is desperate for a running back on their roster. There is no guarantee that Keontae Ingram does much. But if James Conner goes down at any point in the next few weeks, he's going to get a shot. He's a young guy. The Cardinals are at the point in the year where they're probably going to give young guys more opportunities. So just a flyer to, to take on a running back there. But what I want to do here with you, Brendan, is ask you about tight ends. As I mentioned last week, that is the absolute bane of every fantasy owner's existence other than the lucky ones like yourself who have a Travis Kelsey on their team. So clap it up for you. Good, 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 good. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good, good. But I'm going to give you three of these kind of middling tight ends that you might be able to pick up on your waiver wire free agent pile out there. And you just pick one of those guys who you might feel most comfortable with. Again, these are not guys who are surefire options, but Denver's Greg Dulcich. Jacksonville's Evan Engram and Buffalo's Dawson Knox. Which one of those three guys would you lean towards if you were desperate of the position? It's interesting because I have Evan Ingram in one league. And of course he's on by this week and I have used him unfortunately uh, because I had Cole Komet on my bench the last two weeks, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I'm winning anyway. It's fine. But True. Evan Ingram's been okay. He's had a little bit up and down. All of these guys have really, but the name that's really surprising on that, on that list is Dawson Knox. We, th- I think a lot of people thought he was going to have a breakout season after what he did in 2021. I would still give him some run. I think he's, he's still involved in the bills offense, just not nearly as much as the wide receivers. And now you're seeing the running backs like Devin Singletary get a little bit more run. Plus the bills offense maybe hasn't had the same highs that it did as last year, or even earlier this year, but you got to go with the, just the bona fide offense because there's more chances. There's more scoring opportunities. And frankly, that's what you're looking for with tight ends. I mean, if you can get like, get somebody like a Travis Kelsey who's going to rack up a ton of receptions. That's awesome. But really it comes down to the touchdowns. And when it's all said and done, Dawson Knox gives you that best opportunity. Although there are bright spots with the other two guys as well. I I am actually in complete agreement with you, which is funny just because fantasy pros a website that I love and that I use all the time for all my fantasy stuff. They actually have him rank the lowest of those three guys by a decent margin for the rest of the season. So, but I agree at the tight end position at this point, it's hard to find volume. So you kind of want to look at offenses and that touchdown upside. And I know Knox had a lot of, a lot of positive touchdown luck last year hasn't been getting as much this year, but I do agree you kind of in desperate situations like that, just look at the offense and and maybe lean that way at the end of the day. So Logan, I have a quick fantasy question for you. I'm going to turn it around. 
And you talked about running backs a little bit earlier. I felt like I was very rewarded. I was rewarded for my patience because in both my leagues, I had Elijah, Elijah Mitchell on injured reserve. And I debated cutting him when the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey. But I'm like, no, let's see how this plays out. Maybe he has a little bit bigger of a role than maybe we anticipate. And sure enough, he led the team in rushing attempts and rushing in his first game back. So one, if you're looking for running backs, Elijah Mitchell is available, or at least was available in plenty of leagues. But two, I want to know from you, is something like that sustainable knowing that the 49ers just kind of switch in running backs every other week, it seems? That is that is interesting you asked about him. He was a guy I put a waiver claim in in my main league last night. I did not end up getting him. I, I mean, I me along with the rest of the world, very surprised by that usage. But yeah, I don't I don't lean towards that being a very sustainable thing. I bet you the amount of carries, which I'm not sure, maybe it was around 15 or so uh, off the top of my head this past week that he got. I, that might be his high for the rest of the season. And a guy with him that you have to consider is also that if you are in a like either a half PPR or a full PPR type league, he doesn't really catch the ball that much. So if you're desperate, I think a lot, which obviously I tried to pick him up. So I I'm kind of desperate if you couldn't tell, but um, I think he's a guy that you can put in. I wouldn't expect a lot of upside just because he doesn't catch the ball. And he's also in, as you mentioned, a 49ers offense that is sometimes unpredictable in terms of usage, but I was just talking about Keontae Ingram as a pickup five minutes ago. Has anyone heard of that guy? No. So I think at this point, if you're picking up Elijah Mitchell, I think it's it's a good idea and he, he's a good name to consider for sure. All right. Our favorite portion of the show, Brendan, we are heading to our betting, which last week, again, we went a combined three and one. I followed your two and a week last week with my own two and a week this week where I had the Falcons Panthers under 42 and a half, which hit and Titans minus two against the Broncos, which hit you went a very respectable one and one. The Browns did get blown out against the Dolphins. So plus three and a half did not work, but commanders plus 11 versus the Eagles was obviously one of the easier, less sweaty bets of the week. So definitely a good pick on your end for the year. I'm nine and seven. You're eight and six. I mean, people, if you aren't taking some of these bets, I don't know what you're doing. We're, we're, we're approving it. Are we not? And we are, and especially lately too. I don't want to jinx ourselves, but yeah, <laughs> three and one. I mean, eight. What did we do the math earlier? Six and two in the last two weeks. Like that's yeah. a decent. That's a decent profit. We haven't gone zero and two in a long time. Again, knock on wood. Yeah, no, I'm hard knocking on wood because I really <laughs> now just I can feel it in my bones that it's coming. Yeah. So and real quickly, said, real yes. quickly, free bets. Just keep betting Justin Fields over rushing yards. It yes. hit again. It Amen. hit in the first half again. Just I don't care how how high it gets. If it gets to like 110 yards, maybe don't take it. But geez, keep taking it if you can. Amen. Amen. And I mentioned I remember I mentioned last week the Bears team point total over 25 and a half that hit. So, again, I don't know what that is. I didn't look at it before the show, but it's probably a good number to take against a bad Falcons defense. So something to consider. That's the unofficial play of the week. But Brendan, lead us off. What is your first pick? There's a lot of low totals this week, which is interesting. A lot of a lot of totals in like the it's, under or a high 30s, which is a little unders have just been dominating the whole year. They have. Yeah. So I'm gonna take the over in a game <laughs> that I think is gonna be a shootout. It is Cowboys and Vikings. 
Vikings are coming off a game of the year against the Bills. Of course, they went to overtime. They scored a ton of points. Same with the Cowboys. Even though they blew the game late, they still scored, what, 28 points, I believe. The over-under is 47 and a half. That seems a little low to me. I know that the defenses are are solid. Definitely good for the Cowboys. I'd say solid for the Vikings. But there's still enough offensive firepower on both teams where I think scores – Scores are going to happen, and when you have the best receiver on the freaking planet like the Vikings do, mm-hmm. they can happen in an instant. So I like Cowboys-Vikings over 47 and a half. Feels like an over. Just you say it just the feels teams. like it. You just say the teams, Cowboys-Vikings. You think Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Indoors. You're going to be indoors. There's going to be points there. There's yeah. going to be points there. I like that pick. All right, my first pick, I, I feel like I keep going to Thursday Night Football, and I'm going to do it yet again this week. And I think that that even if you're a Bears fan out there listening to this right now and you don't know what we're talking about with the betting, you're going to like this pick because I'm going Titans, and I'm taking the points with them at plus three and a half at the Packers. Maybe the Packers are back after last week. Maybe I regret this. I don't know. But if I'm getting over a field goal with the Titans, I am just... I love betting on Mike Vrabel. I just, I've talked about it before. I think he's a fantastic head coach. I think that he always has that Titans team ready. And again, I just like it in three and a half points there in a spot where maybe the Packers just had one week and they showed out and come crashing back down to earth on a short week. So Titans plus three and a half against the Packers at the Packers. I should clarify that is my first pick. Brendan, what is your second Real quickly, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I see it at uh, plus three on Rivers. So you know what you think? You think I'm trying to cheat you, Brennan. No, no, I'm not. I think hey, shop around. Shop so around. that's that's the key. Then that's that's another piece of betting advice. Is however many sports books you can use in Illinois doesn't mean you have to bet on all of them. Look around, see where you can find the best points because I think it was FanDuel that had okay. three and a half, and what a difference three three and a half. It doesn't seem like much, but that's big. It is big. I, I'm between two now. There's one game that Ooh. I just realized that I think would be a lot of fun to bet. You know what? I'm going to go with what I originally said, and if you don't take it, I'll put it as an honorable mention. We'll Maybe we'll both go in on it together. But I will take Giants minus three against the Lions. Giants are coming off a bye. I think they were very well coached this year with Brian Dable. And the Lions, again... Didn't really have any reason to win that game. Yes, they played decent, but I just I think the Bears shot themselves in the foot more than the Lions actually won the game. So now Giants off rest They're I believe the Lions are playing on the road. So I I like the Giants to cover. I think they're going to make a statement like, hey, we're still here. We're still a really good team in the NFL, and we're going to show that we belong in this playoff conversation. And I think it's going to be you know, probably like at least a seven point game. So Giants minus three against the Lions. Yeah, that at home, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe I'm only speaking for myself here, but I just keep forgetting that the Giants have an incredible record at this point. What are they, seven and two, eight and two, something like that? But I don't know what it is, but they've been a very good football team and they keep winning. And I think everyone assumes they're going to come crashing back down to earth and they just win football games. It might not be the most exciting ways. I think Saquon Barkley, I think, ran the ball like 30 times or something last week. Crazy. And and guess what? The Lions have (laughs) it. We saw it. They have a terrible run defense. Correct. Correct. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go with another favorite. I'm going to go with Bills minus seven and a half at home against the Browns. I, I like... 
Bills are coming off a bye, I believe, and they're coming off a letdown of losing. And the Browns stink. Um, I don't know. They're the Browns. I think that that's as much explanation as I can give. And again, I think you're buying low on the Bills. You're getting just a little over, you're taking a little over a seven and a half point hit. But I just, it just feels like a, a spot where the Bills, after a loss, need to come out and know that they will come out and just crush this Browns team. So like, that's one where I won't do this, but you could even take an alternate line of like a minus 10 or something like that, just because I, I just think they're going to crush the Browns. So I, I really like that pick. I am so glad you went with this game because is that what you, you were thinking? N- yes. And no, I, okay. what do you think about parlaying that into the bills and the under a 40, 41 and a half? Because Sure. They are going to have six feet of snow. I did see that earlier today. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, which actually, you know, yeah, that does impact things plenty. So maybe if you're if you're feeling frisky and you believe in what we're selling, just parlay it, see what happens. Get definitely higher odds, big, bigger payout. But I mean, it, we might be in for a classic snow game. Those are the best to watch. And you're probably going to get a score of 17 to 7. That would be perfect. I would it would be that. perfect. That would be perfect. Are we getting, are we getting cocky all of a sudden, Brennan? Are we going to go 0 4 this week? Nah, I'm just kidding. We're not. Gonna. No, we'll probably go 1 and 3 or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll save Grace or something. We will. No, it's been, uh, it's been good and it's been fun. I love talking betting with you, Brennan. I, lo- I love doing these pregame pods with you. I do too. I, I've been really, uh, I mean, going back and forth about just playing the regular lines and then going for prop bets. So it, I like that we talk just regular kind of you know spreads overs because or totals because you can really go down a rabbit hole with some of these Mm. props and just put all your money down and lose it because it's it's so difficult sometimes yep there's just there's too many things to bet sometimes sometimes you just gotta keep it simple keep it simple stupid and that's it all right we're gonna get out of here for jack wright for ryan dangle patrick sheldon and my co-host brandon chagru really appreciate everybody out there listening and as always Bear down, Chicago.